Seahawks fans to the newest edition of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Sano, joined, as always, by the Travis Homer to my Marshawn Lynch. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how are you doing? Uh, I am feeling adequate today. Yeah, you, nice. you made a lot of good catches in the last game. And our very own Robert Turbin. That's right. It's Eric Ronnebeck. Eric, how are you feeling? Another stellar game from Robert Turbin in a Seahawks uniform. The man has made a living, literally made a living out of just being on a roster. Just show, sometimes just showing up is half the battle, dude. He's my dream. Um, and uh, that, that's the part of the battle you you consistently win. What you don't realize is that uh, we always sign him because he's the one who pees in the cup for Marshawn. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we had to re-sign him so that uh, hey, they could keep the game going. Playoffs are coming. He's going to get two carries. Wait, he plays right. a vital role on the team. Total that. of 3.4 yards. It's going to be awesome. Rug pissers did this? Is that what you're saying, dude? Um, all right. So it really ties the room together. Man. I just want to start off by saying that I know that the audio in this podcast is not going to be up to my normal standards, and I hope to have this figured out by next week. But I had a choice. I had like a granular AP choice of make a podcast or have perfect sound, and uh, I uh, I chose make a podcast as opposed to trying to fix for perfect sound. Sit around in Nathan's room for two more hours looking at our phones because the jokes are gone and now we're just wondering why we're not recording. Uh, Nathan shows, let's just record. Yeah, I just let's just go. It's time to go. All right, let's get into Phone it. Cast. Seahawks face the 49ers and I think we finally got to see something that Pete Carroll said is true, come uh said is is not true, come true, which is that you can lose the game in the first quarter. <laughs> and the, the Seahawks lost this game by coming out extraordinarily flat. Yeah, we saw two impossible things happen. Uh, yeah. We lost the game in the first quarter, and George Kittle got tackled. Yeah. Um, overall, just like not a great uh, defensive performance that we allowed them to be very efficient in everything that they did. Not that the 49ers were really that good. If you look <laughs> at the overall numbers, the numbers in this game are really similar for both sides. Uh, Jimmy G's getting a lot of credit for a lot of yards after catch. Yeah, and it, it was just like a, a decent efficiency day for them. They're, nothing special, right? Like a very average day from our defense, ho-hum. I don't think – I. it's hard to say like any one guy had a great game, and that was a big difference from the first time these two teams played because we beat them up the first game. Uh, you know, I can tell you who had the opposite of a great day. Uh, oh, uh, Michael Lano Kendricks. Hill had the worst game by a safety I think I've seen in my life. Michael Kendricks. Michael Kendricks was bad. Well, Lano he Hill also, was terrible. He got insult to injury. Uh, Lionel yeah. Hill had two missed tackles that I felt like both hugely impacted the game. The bad angle he took on the on that one on the uh, the Debo Samuel t- uh, touchdown run that was incredibly frustrating. He yep. took an angle on that. Uh, the angle was not towards Debo not towards Samuel. The player. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then he had another missed tackle on uh, one of the early passing plays that just extended the play greatly. And props to KJ Wright had a really good game in this in this one. Um, that kind of if I had to pick a bright spot on the defense, a, a best player, that's probably who I'd pick. KJ targeted five times in the past game, gave up two receptions for eight total yards, including like Kevin said, killing uh, George Kittle and adding his soul to his collection of souls, like Shang Tsung in Mortal Kombat. That that's basically <laughs> what I thought he did. Flawless victory. And so now he can morph into George Kittle. So now we, we can put him in on offense and defense. Oh, we got defense. the tight end thing figured out now. Yeah, and we can just have a tight end. It's great. I didn't have to do any of this draft research I did on tight ends. No, no. Now I feel like I wasted my time. Thanks, Thanks. Mystic well, Arts. We're all good. Uh, uh, Quentin Jefferson, I thought, had himself a pretty solid game. Had a couple of pressures. Had a sack. That sack was pretty good, too. He just punked the guy. Yep. And uh, came in. 
Um, uh, it's really hard to talk a lot about the defensive effort in this game because it wasn't outstanding in any way. The biggest feedback I have for the team is like play Marquise Blair instead of Delano Hill. At least, at least then exciting things will happen, even if the mistakes are there. Yeah, Delano Hill just can't play outside of the box. As soon as you put him uh, uh, as, as a high safety, you are asking for him to take poor angles. The guy just drowns in space. So they played five snaps of big nickel with Marquise Blair, uh, Bradley McDougald, and Lano Hill all on the field, which I like. I, I thought all five of those snaps went really well, actually. They played nine snaps of nickel, regular nickel, where Ugo Amadi was on the field. Uh, Ugo looked fine. Uh, just like last game, adequate too exciting. It's, he's an adequate nickel corner at this point in his career, which is, I think, about what you could expect. It's much and better than Kendrick's coverage. Two more snaps, uh, or actually, and then... Then we had two snaps of regular cornerback from Akeem King in this game, spelling uh, Trey Flowers for a play and Shaquille Griffin for a play. And um, Shaquille looked a little off in this game. I think mostly just uh, coming back from injury. Thing. A little rusty. Yeah, I just think he was knocking off the rust. Or maybe he came back a week early trying to get a win, um, which is something it seems like he would do. He pressed himself really hard last year yep. to, to try to get back in the game and to be Richard Sherman. And um, maybe he just needed the – he probably should have taken the week off. I I think that King could have done the similar level of job that Shaq did this week. I also feel like Shaquille was put in a difficult situation. Um, Yeah, Manuel Sanders is a tough cover when you're coming back from a tough injury. And when you have no uh, safety help behind you. Debo Samuel is really strong, too. I thought Debo Samuel was excellent in this game. Um, Perhaps uh, the the best player for the 49ers. Certainly the most explosive. he, He looked really awesome. And... Um, you know, that's not surprising. He played with our boy, right? Isn't, didn't he go also go? No, it was South Carolina, right? Debo Samuel's the South Carolina one? Yes. I'm confusing him with A.J. Brown. Is that correct? Who's Mississippi? Mississippi, yep. yeah. Okay. So then, um, yeah, and then Kittle was just George Kittle. It was definitely a big difference between the first game and this game, which is that Kittle, Kittle is a difference maker. He's tough to cover. He had seven receptions, five first downs, made three, broke three tackles because apparently he's impossible to tackle. I only heard Chris Collinsworth bring it up. Every Seven play. times. It was so <laughs> annoying. Um, did you know that Ryan Fitzpatrick went to Harvard? Yeah, did you know Kyle Juszczyk went to Harvard? They didn't mention it in this game. I was surprised. Was Only one NFL player can go to Harvard per year. At a time. It's yeah. all Fitzpatrick right now. Uh, also, well, the man is Cameron Brait went to tar- Harvard, too. Is that, is he not, it doesn't count? It's not a player. <laughs> He's a Tampa Bay He's Buccaneer. It doesn't it's count. Different. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, also, uh, Russell Wilson played baseball. Yeah. So, George Kittle. Targeted seven Filling times, up your bingo seven card receptions. Uh, we tried different looks, but um, he only was co- he was never covered by a safety, which is I think the in, on any of his receptions, which I think is a a big difference from what we're going to see this week against the Eagles. Uh, the last time we played the Eagles, we saw um, Bradley McDougal get a uh, interception on a pass that was attempted for, for Dallas Goddard. We saw a lot of safeties covering these tight ends because the tight ends are the best uh, receivers on the Eagles right now because with all their injuries. And I don't think the Seahawks will make that same mistake again, where they did not cover Kittle with a safety. You're going to see uh, like a Cam Chancellor style, either Brad or Leno coming up towards the line of scrimmage and making sure that that guy does not beat us by himself. I also think that there's some, I think some of the numbers tracking is difficult because there are certain people that were playing zone and were asked to cover a lot of territory and other people who are playing zone who are so far out of position that they're not being credited for messing up coverage plays. It's fair. I mean, it's, it's, I feel like our defense is balanced on the edge of a knife right now. And when we're missing a key player 
missing Diggs, if we were missing Brad, if we're missing Shaquille, if we're missing Clowney, if we're missing Bobby. I think, I think missing any one just, of those players is a pretty big problem. I'd say Brad's probably the easiest one to miss. Just Quandre or Diggs. Or maybe just Shaquille. Just Quandre Diggs being backed would have been probably enough, I think, for, to win this game. Yes. You don't need anyone else. It would have cut down well, at least a couple of big plays. Yeah, bad penalties. That's enough to to swing it one yard, right? That's yeah. what we're talking about, one yard? I yeah, mean, or... You know, or five. There was a million opportunities for us to win this game, and it's it's tough at the end. You know, you want to focus in on like that was a best pass interference. I agree. That was a. It was tough to not get it in at the end anyway. That was missed a by a half yard garbage delay of game penalty. Yeah. I cannot believe that we mismanaged the clock like that. I, I don't know. Actually, what? I can completely believe that we mismanaged the clock like that, I mean, and that's even more frustrating. That last drive was like a microcosm of the decade for Pete Carroll, where like um, all of a sudden we're behind, so we start passing, and the offense looks unbeatable. Then, then we had a, a complete breakdown and failure at the one. Uh, active clock, clock mismanagement where we called a really stupid timeout so we didn't have a timeout at the end of the game to stop the clock. When and we, then poor officiating that exacerbated the issues that we created yes. by and not then, handling the game correctly. And poor officiating. It was just a microcosm of all the, the things that have happened to the Seahawks uh, in this decade. And Way was, to summarize the decade on the last yeah, game. It's nice. Just one drive, really. Just that one drive. Um, and yeah, it's easy to focus on those those individual things that happened on that drive that could have gone our way, but there was a million opportunities for the Seahawks to win this game, and they didn't find any of them. The most frustrating for me was in the first half when we ran Marshawn Lynch, when we knew that it wasn't going to get a touchdown. They had the they had the box stacked, but all of you people who have been skewering. Hey, what do you mean, Carol, you people? I'm not one of them. <laughs> all of you people who have been skewering Pete Carroll. For the uh, for not running Marshawn Lynch in the Super Bowl, uh, that lack of points was your fault because he couldn't. It was a bad. It was bad to run the ball in that scenario, but he couldn't deal with the ramifications of not running it. All right, let's deal. Let's go to the offense then. Fourth and one, uh, with their in field goal range, they decide instead of send an automatic out there, they send uh, they send Marshawn out there to get the yard. And I will say that. People might look at the result and be like, "Whoa, it's a bad choice to run. We should have passed, or we should." Guess what? That's a good spot to run right there. But man, the execution on that play sucked. Tyrone Swoops basically <laughs> got picked up by the shoulders and set to the side by Nick Bosa as if he was uh, a, ch- a child that was in the way between you and the the platter at your your you know your playoff party this weekend. Just just picked him up, set him to the side, and then got the tackle. Um, too easy. The Seahawks made it way too easy on that play, and that swoops can't block. It is what it is. That's, I mean, it made me miss Luke Wilson's blocking, which says a lot. Yikes! Uh, uh, it looked a lot like Luke Wilson's blocking. Hey, I don't think Luke Wilson would have got sunned like You're that. You're right; he would have fallen over. And yes, yeah, he would have falling, fallen towards George Kittle, falling over, slowing him down a tenth of a second, falling him over into the way would have been way better than what happened on that play. That's sure. that's the problem. Is that he, I don't think Marshawn needed a huge gap there to get through. But no, he just needed any not, any help whatsoever. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna eat crow on something. You ready? Yep. Yeah. Uh, Jaron Brown. I was like the biggest Jaron Brown supporter. I uh, I kind of went hard for him all year. Uh, he played three snaps in this game and dropped the pass, and I'm just done. Jaron Brown. I do I I like Jaron Brown. I just don't think it's gonna work out here in Seattle for whatever reason. He. Just keeps dropping passes and, and making mistakes, and I uh, I can't take it anymore. I'm Jaron Brown. I quit you. 
<laughs> that's that's my uh, one of my conclusions from this I game. It's, it's time it's time for me to quit Jaron Brown. Every Jaron Brown chap should have gone to John Ursua, who almost won the game. So close. Yeah, it's a this is a guy that we talked about when he was drafted. Like this is a guy who might actually make the team. Boom, he makes the team. Um, we haven't seen him all year, and then we have to play him, and he he plays well enough, man. Like he's gonna be in the offense this coming week in a playoff game. I don't. The thing about I don't understand. The thing about John Ursua is he's he's not young. He's slot only, so we got to run four wide receivers to put him out there. That's that's fair, but he's not young. He's already twenty five. Mm-hmm. So they. You need to accelerate your timetable with guys like this. Like he needs to be playing now because he's hitting his athletic peak right now. That and being said, he's going to basically play out his rookie contract and probably be out of the league, and that's yeah. fine. Like that, we we sunk an amount of resources in that's reasonable for that. Uh, this was also, I feel like this game was an illustration of the point that we need a true third wide receiver. We don't really have one right now. Uh, DK is an interesting player. He has some downside and he has a lot of upside. I mean, uh, six catches for 81 yards, six first downs, but he had the drop. And there were other situations where he was targeted where uh, there were a couple of times the one that could have been a touchdown where he just kind of rounds off and drifts upfield instead of being crisp on his slant. A couple of things like that. Those are things that we would like to see him improve. But for a rookie, he did really well. Eric, if I yeah. told you before the season started, DK Metcalf, he'll have 900 yards for seven touchdowns. What would you have said? That, that's like the dream. We That means we pass the ball more. That that means that DK is actually one of our best receivers. And that all came true. But like Kevin said, having a true third is would be something we really need. And not not just because it would be nice to have a third option. But what about when DK is not playing well? What when What about when Tyler Lockie gets banged up? You want to have that automatic guy you can go to. One thing I think... And right now you don't have that. DK, the thing that I like about his season in general is that all of his um, mistake, all of the downside of his season is uh, stuff that's easy to fix. He had eight drops. He had three fumbles. Those are like concentration things. He can fix that. That's, My, that's very That's very. One fixable. of those fumbles was kind of fluky. The drops, I don't know if they're concerning at this point, but I, if he can get those, those cut in half... I mean, that, that'd be a huge. It'll jump his catch rate up from 50, from sixty percent to you know seventy five, which that's is huge. which is great. You know, it'll it'll be it'll go from good to great. So that's that's kind of where I'm at on DK is that he's great rookie season, very fixable problems. Um, yeah, if we had gotten like forty future. something catches for seven hundred yards, I would have been really happy. Um, this was a very good rookie year. Yeah, it's um it's exciting. It's like he's the, more than just best, a straight line runner. Which best is rookie year in a see. Seahawks wide receiver in a really long time. Mm-hmm. So that's just, it's very I'm very pumped for it. I think it could be good. Hopefully he's not the next Corn Robinson. Uh, Thanks. <laughs> um, but what this really Gross. shows, I just have to throw water on it because I don't want people. You know, you don't want to get people's hopes up too much. You gotta you gotta remind them of what we've been through. The big thing is if he doesn't progress a lot, but if we get another guy who's good, like this is a dangerous wide receiver court. DK already has some things that he does at a high level. Uh, David Moore is a difficult guy in this offense because when we put him on the outside, David Moore is just not a great contested catch guy. Um, he doesn't get his hands out there. He doesn't play the ball as well as we need him to. And we need a guy who can do that better if we want to be able to pump the ball out deep. Uh, Russ only had two deep attempts. He was one for two in 20-plus yard attempts. Uh, in 10 to 20-yard attempts, he had 11 of those on 40 throws. So... 
we're having we have guys that are having a little bit of trouble getting open in that range and not helping matters is some of the offensive line play they found I feel some- like a Fetty had a pretty bad game they found something in the second half, though, don't you feel like, Kevin? Because in the second half of the game, they were pumping short passes to Homer and uh, and to Hollister and really finding like these sh- these, sh- these short areas that were wide open. We were doing a great job of reading their uh, edge players and using their edge players against them because their edges were playing very aggressively and it was leaving some gaps where little flips to Homer and, Homer and Hollister and Lockett were working really well. I yeah, I a hundred percent agree with that. Yeah, and I, I think that the, those kind of in-game adjustments are really good to see, and the team just needs to figure those out faster. And like I saw in this game, I saw one of the best play calls in the uh, in the whole that shot that, like, speed era, option, which is this. They did an outside speed option play where they had Russell Reed Bosa, and if Bosa crashed inside, then they he flipped it outside to Homer and just had him run around the edge. And that those kind of plays are those are that's an, a total adjustment play. That's a play that they called because they saw something in the game, and that's the kind of thing we need to see a lot more of from these Seahawks if they're going to go from, you know, right now we're hovering around what eighth best offense in the league, sixth best offense. We need to be like top uh, three, and if we want to be top top three, top one, and we can be because we have Russell Wilson. We should we ha- can be a, a really great offense. Um, those are the kind of adjustments you need to see. That kind of clever play calling and in game adjustments. And yeah, you're right. The offensive line was a was a dumpster fire in this game, especially the right side. Fluker and Effetti had such a hard day. Um, Effetti especially is just well. I mean, I said it in the group chat. I said, thank God this is the last season I'm going to have to think about Jermaine Effetti because it's just it's hard. It's <laughs> it's hard to keep to keep watching him make the same mistakes over and over again for four straight years. You know, it's it's like, dude, you. Do you ever do you ever learn? Same dumb penalties, same bad uh, bad stuff keeps happening to you. You make the same mistakes over and over and Still over. Still can't again. read a stunt. Yeah, and you know what? I gotta give props to one offensive lineman though, Joey Hunt. Um, he is small, but man, I can see why they keep him around. Like he really brings it on every play, and really does like. There was one play where he got kind of beat, and then he does like a full 360 pirouette and then gets his arm onto another guy to make the block. It was, um, I think it was like the, mar- the longer the longer Marshawn Lynch run. And I was just like, that's why Joey Hunt's here, because he he really brings it. He well, it's really an effort, and he it. wants to be there, and you can yeah. tell that he wants to do something on the line. This is a guy who's been on the practice squad, who's been in backups. I mean, put him in, and he's actually turned out to be something good for yeah, him. This is a guy who probably has a career as an offensive line coach, and I don't mean that in an insulting way. Yeah, I mean, if he's our backup center for five more years, and we just like sign him to a second contract that's reasonable, I'm totally fine with it. He can be a Seahawk for life and just be that kind of guy that he comes in for four to six games a season, plays middle offensive line, looks completely solid, very competent pass blocker. Run blocking is tough because he's so small, right? It's always going to be the struggle for him is that – He's not a road grader because he's he's under three hundred pounds. You Who's know, that guy, like Chris hard. Gray, that we had in like the yeah. late nineties through the Holmgren era? The right they guard did that and ended up being like a starting right guard for one season in a pinch. But he was just like I mean, I would. He just knew his assignment so well that it, his physical flaws were something you could deal with. He was a guy you could put in between a good center his, and a uh, and a good tackle. His mental game Go is his mental game is strong too. I mean, real strong. Yeah, he's like the opposite of a Fetty. And I thought Fant pretty good. 
all things considered, like I thought, they, Fan played a respectable. They had game. a they had a tough job on the left side of that line all day, and I a fan and Eopati even wasn't horrible in this game. You know, it's just on the better. It just end wasn't Pro Bowl caliber. The they just they they did a good job playing off each other. I felt like, and I it makes me excited for George Fant as a starting Seahawks offensive lineman as opposed to you know a bonus tight end slash gimmick player that. If we, George Fant is our starting right tackle going into next season. Then I feel solid about that. What if George Fant can only play on the left side? What if it's like a mirror thing? What if it's like he can only play on the left? Would you move Dwayne Brown to the right side? What if Dwayne Brown can only play on the left? Oh no! Now we're really screwed. Then we just have two awesome left left tackles. tackles. Yeah, we just play Fant at left. I want to clone Fant so we can have Fant assist Fant. I don't like Fant at guard because of his footwork, but yeah, Fant at left guard, I'm fine with it. He's fast, so like he would just have to learn how to you know get anchor better, anchor better, yeah. Maybe fine. His movement is is quite excellent. But legitimately, I think I think putting him at right tackle, like we were talking about this in the thread during the game because that's how the game went for parts of it. Uh, we're looking at a future where it's Brown, and then what? Some uh, probably Fant at right tackle, and then some combination of beefy boy Phil Haynes, Phil Haynes, Ethan Posich, uh, Jamarco Jones, and Joey Hunt. Some combination of those four guys will make the three players on the interior. And I feel like that is a C- minus to C-plus proposition. So even if we weren't to make any moves, I would feel pretty decent about that. And I think the odds of us making no moves is probably like 5%. Yeah, the the thing about the Seahawks position that they're in right now is this being this good this year is kind of a year ahead of schedule. Yep. and so on some level, yes, we lucked into it, right? We lucked into it because Clowney was all of a sudden available. Diggs. And, yeah. and here's Quandre Diggs for for nothing. You know, we lucked into uh, a much better team than maybe we would have started the season with. But going into next year, we have a ton of draft capital. We have $72 million in cap space. That's the, a lot. We finally lose the Cam contract and the Doug contract. Those are those are finally off the books. And that's just a lot of money for the Seahawks to play with and really improve the team. And I mean, this year was the year, kind of supposed to be the painful year, right? We have to pay Russell like $30 million, and then we have to fill all these spots while we're missing a bunch of cap space from Chancellor and Doug. Instead, we kind of worked our, weaseled our way into a, into a workable thing here where we, you know, this is a flawed football team, but it is a team that has a legitimate non-zero chance to win the Super Bowl. And that's pretty exciting, you know, and I we're pretty far from done. You know, this is not... This is not the end of the line. We get to go play in in Philadelphia, a stadium we've already won in, and then likely play in San Francisco, a stadium we have already won in. I think that's why going into this game, it's so funny. I was saying, like, I kind of want to lose this game because I think it sets us up in a better proposition than playing the Minnesota, Minnesota Vikings at home because, one, we're not playing very well at home. Two, I think that... Uh, Minnesota is a lot. Minnesota is a bad team with a talent, like an A grade talented team, but a, just a bad team for scheme, for quarterback, for coaching, whatever it is. They can't seem to get on the same page over there. I just think that's a dangerous game. And then we'd have to go play New Orleans. And for some reason, going into New Orleans, that is the one game I'm not confident about, the one team I'm not confident about facing. I think going to Philadelphia. Sets us up to go into San Francisco, and I, I think if you're going to get to the Super Bowl, you're gonna have to go through San Francisco to do it. If you're the Seahawks, and I'm fine with that. You know, if you want to earn that big game, 
beat the San Francisco 49ers. So before we get too far down the road that we're already really far down on, uh, going back to the offense, uh, we kind of touched on it for a second, but Travis Homer had a very adequate game. He had the type of game that I thought that he would be able to have. He avoided a couple of tackles by just running through some arm tackles. Um, He's got a good first step, and he's got a limited top speed, but he gets to it really quickly. Like, his acceleration is solid. I feel like we are very well-deserved in our Davis, our Mike Davis comps. You know, 10 carries for 62 yards. A couple of those were on chunk plays that were schemed really well. And five for five, uh, catching the ball for 30 yards. Um, He combined for a total of, uh, like, he combined for double-digit first downs on all of his plays. Yeah. Um, speaking of first downs, I mean, the Seahawks on third down, Kevin, in the first half, they went two for six, but in the second half, they went six for eight. I think that tells the story. I mean, that's just like, it. yeah, you're right. It, there's just like a, we were so much more efficient. We were making first downs, 27 total first downs in the game. And how many of those do you think came in the second half? Uh, give, what, give probably a, 70%. Give, it, give a, a guess. Uh, 70%. Try, try six were in the first half. 21 <laughs> 21 in the second half the team was a different team in the after halftime and it it it's tough it's tough to win a game when you only play one half of football and and we almost did and they everything worked in the second half everything we did on offense and mostly on defense too everything we did worked pretty good um kj wright uh killed george kittle and then yes from that point he forward, did he was not the same and uh it just it seemed like we were turning the corner and yeah we fell a little short but that was a very winnable game that I think the NFL just wanted to, you know, screw the saints on a non-pass interference call again. So (laughs) they, so they did good for, and good, you know what? Good for Roger Goodell for standing up for himself against the saints fans (laughs) and saying, and saying, no, tyranny of Drew Brees. You will not bully me. Saints fans. I am going to screw you again in a game. You're not even playing in. Do you think you had an STD in New Orleans once or something? Um, I think it could be that Drew Brees is right ahead of Tom Brady in that record, and he really wants Brady to have it. Let's bring that Patriots conspiracy True, back. He's in. a really good Bob Kraft friend. He is. They uh, they really like vacationing to massage parlors yeah, in Miami. Get the give each other a gosh. Hand. The, the first half stats and the second half stats is like seventy. A tale of two games. Seventy nine. We had seventy nine offensive yards in the first half, and then three hundred and forty eight at the end of the game. The 49ers had 398 at the end of the game, but 222 of them were in the first half. Like, they just. It, I don't understand how that happens. That's so confusing to me. Uh, one team made adjustments, they, and the other team thought everything was working and didn't. They dominated us in the first quarter, too. The first quarter is, is really bad. They, they really looked awesome. We did look lost for a little bit. And I mean, look at the first, the first drives of the game. Like we went, what three, basically three and out. I mean, if you don't include the defensive holding penalty and then they got the ball, they drive straight down, they get an easy field goal. And then we go, and really we got bailed out by that, by that flower sack on the play where he just, he pursued really nicely. Yeah. That was that, a really, really if, good sack. If he doesn't make that sack, like they probably score a touchdown. Then we get the ball back. We go, uh, seven plays and out. Uh, and then they get the ball back. They go down, and Debo Samuel scores a touchdown. Like at the end of the first quarter, it was dire straits. We're down ten nothing. They've had the ball for we basically. Starting to talk whole, about the twenty twenty offensive line the, prospects. We were the whole game. <laughs> the whole game. We started Kevin, arguing about Kevin Star Wars. Kevin was filling all sorts of requests in the thread. It was great. The group chats uh, just started talking about Star Wars. Well, hey, one going back to one thing that Kevin said earlier about Russell Wilson in this game. So 
about not being able to throw downfield. Uh, Russ, in those first two drives, did have a few, I want to say three or four of the 10, 12 plays where he had an offensive line, but he didn't have anyone open. And I wanted to know what you guys thought about our... I didn't. I haven't watched the game film, so I couldn't really see what our offense was doing. But how come we couldn't get any routes to open up in the first half? Well, what, that was the difference between having it? two receivers and having three receivers. Yeah, I, I if we had Josh Gordon, we would have had a guy well, open. Or yeah. Will Disley. Yeah, if or had even Will Disley. Or even Ed Dixon. To be honest with you, maybe even Luke Wilson. Just like, another it, reliable it's just, body. It's just you need like a reliable guy who can get open and. Uh, you know, Hollister's nice to have as a bailout, but he's not that guy who's going to get open. Well, the thing was, they could cover Hall. Like in the second half, we were forcing him to cover either Hollister or Homer, and they couldn't cover both. In the first half, we hadn't rigged that scenario up yet. Like I, that was one of the halftime adjustments. Was we basically gave Russ two safety valves, knowing that they didn't have enough underneath coverage skill to cover both. Another thing is we didn't really handle the blitz very well in this game. Russ went six for fourteen, uh, for sixty yards on plays where he was blitzed, and I just I think that we really struggled in this game. I mean, we didn't get give up sacks. I thought the offensive line did a good enough job with that, but I don't think Russ didn't really do a good job of um, you know making a play out of nothing or getting some positive yardage on plays where we got blitz. Their blitzes were very effective. And that's going to be a problem this week because the Eagles love to blitz. And what they were blitzing really well was they were doing overload blitzes on the left side. So we would have single tight end sets because we're limited in our tight end options right now. And they would load up and send three through the guard tackle gap on the left, on the left side. And that was, that's why Fant blocked pretty well, but still gave up quite a few pressures was because um, you know, you have two guys to block three. There's just not a lot of options there. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's go. Let's go full Eagles preview. We watched the last Eagles game together before we started this. Um, and one thing I think takeaway from that is both these teams are really injured. But Quandre Diggs was a difference maker in that game, and the safety play on their tight ends was really important. So if Quandre's ready to go, the look for that to be you know. Similar to last time. That's something I'm really looking at. Quim Griffin's speed rush gave them fits. And then our running backs were really effective in this game other than Carson fumbling a million times. Uh, and so, so uh, <laughs> remember, gentlemen, you only fumbled gentlemen. twice. Penny had, just on back-to-back, Penny, back-to-back. Had like my, Penny had like my favorite run of the season in this game. No, he oh, fumbled man. three times. That was his coming out party. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Sorry. But uh, but I'm, I'm looking for how do Marshawn, Travis, and maybe even Turbo... No. Uh, <laughs> How do they really make this make this happen, right? How do they make it? On the podcast, we talk about short passes being the new run play. And as you can see, that's what we did in this game in the second half against the 49ers. I think you're probably going to see a lot more of that. They have aggressive interior alignment and edge rushers in and Philadelphia. we still had 22 running back rushes. Yeah, absolutely. And it was a, it was a decent rushing game, but you're still going to be able to open up that deep pass, I think, earlier in this game with what we learned in the San Fran game and what this team can do, now knowing how its weapons work. I also think it'll be beneficial to have Marshawn with a week in the offense. Like, it's not a offense that is super outside of what he's played in. So he's familiar, but I think kind of he knocked the rust off a bit this game. I think he can put up a little they, bit better of a game next game. They definitely felt uh, gun-shy about throwing him out there for too many pass plays. Yeah, they said there was a very real hesitance, I feel like, to put him out there and have him run routes and stuff like that. Yeah, the announcers weird were saying, like, will we see Marshawn to start the game? I was like, of course you will. 
and then he was not out there very much. I, I think it's weird because Mar one of the things I thought Marshawn always did that was kind of cool is every once in a while he'd go out and he could play and run a run, run a, a wheel route or run something. a re, run a real route as an outside receiver, which other people can't. Uh, and I think that's good. That's very helpful. And I would like to see him, you know, do stuff like that. Um, yeah, that's that's it. Um, Their wide receivers are all dead, so we don't have to worry about the wide receiving threat. Um, they are really. They have to throw the ball to Goddard and Ertz, and both of them, I believe, are expected to be healthy for this game. So it's going to be a lot of tight end passes, which means that we need to be able to figure out a way to cover tight ends. Um, don't be surprised to see a ton of big nickel out there, because that's probably our best option for covering two tight ends. Yeah, there'll be three safeties on the field a lot, especially if Quandre is healthy. They're, they're, they're going to they're gonna do that. I, I would tend to agree, which I'm okay with, and I think that's Lano living his best life too. Fifteen to twenty snaps of it is about what I'd expect, which is a, for this team, a, basically a million. Yeah. <laughs> that's like so many snaps of not playing four three. Um, Brandon which, Brooks has been their best offensive lineman this season, you, and he went out of the game hurt. Have you seen that? Have you seen that chart of um, like amount of times teams spend in base defense, and then it's Seahawks at like seventy three percent, and then the second most is like forty two. That's depressing. <laughs> It's, we play base defense like 30% more than any team in the NFL. Oh, man. We're so not creative on defense right now. It's uh, yeah, this brings back my fire Ken Norton take, but that we can save that for the offseason when I talk a lot about firing Ken Norton. You're going to hear it a lot. Um, uh, we're not the only people saying You want to warm him up adjacent to a fire, right? Because like, he's so such a great guy. You want to invite him over to hang out by your fire pit. That's yeah, what like you adjacent to a fire like the sun. Oh, oh, wah, wah. Uh, so Brandon Brooks is out for the season. Um, his shoulder fell off. And Lane Johnson is questionable, has been hurt quite a bit. And he's even been in and out of some of the games where he's tried to come back. Uh, Ertz has not been super healthy. Uh, and all of their running backs are dead. This is a really, really injured Philadelphia team that had some significant issues Aside from the injury, if we can figure out a way to mitigate the pass rush, this should be a pretty comfortable win, all things said. So last game, we talked about this, that we left probably, what, 14 to 17 17 points on the field very easily. When Russell Wilson missed Hollister on that just short pass that inexplicably and then automatic had to come in and clean up the three points. When DK uh, dropped the touchdown where he just didn't adjust to the ball in the air. Yeah, and then, of course, there was all the turnover mistakes that I'm going to assume, you know, I'm going to very aggressively assume that aren't going to happen. Um, What do you think the the weakness of this Eagles team is? Their secondary is not very good. Their cornerbacks specifically. Specifically their corners. Yeah. And their uh, wide receivers are all dead. Yeah. And really not super great if you look in the Nelson Aguilar arena. We wouldn't know because we wouldn't know, yeah. But I mean they're they're (laughs) I'm they're still that's not a team that really strikes fear into my heart outside of their tight ends, which have always been in recent history, their best receivers. They desperately need Deshaun Jackson to be able to take the top off the defense to allow guys like Alshon Jeffrey, Zach Ertz, and uh, Dallas Goddard to work kind of more underneath or up the seams. When Alshon Jeffrey was, was always good, but there was always that health issue with him. And my favorite thing about Deshaun Jackson is, like, that guy could ball uh, a couple years ago, and for the past couple years in Washington, he's been good. And then he comes out in the first game, and he Tip. looks so good this year. And he even says in an interview, like, it's awesome to see me back in this town and see what I mean to this team. 
and then he didn't play anymore. That was very Ricky Williams. Yes, it was. Yeah, but yeah, it's I I think because of that, we're taking away their long game, and that's going to help us immensely. Yeah, so so they'll have Avante Maddox probably back. They said, and they'll have. That's not really a great thing. And and he's okay. He's like I don't want to hear about your. Uh, he's the guy they him. want. He's the guy they want to start over Sidney Jones. Yep. I don't want to hear uh, about your uh, your creative players, Nathan. <laughs> um, and so uh, like, but their cornerback rotation is just it's thin and it's not great. They, Dylan Mills they, is they, injured. They basically play nickel great. all the time to try to keep their linebackers off the field because their linebackers are, can't are cover. not good and can't cover. Like Bradham in the last game, like everyone thinks Nigel Bradham's really good. Bradham in the in last week against the Giants gave up five receptions for 80 yards. I would look for that. If the Seahawks can do what they did last week, which is like look for short routes, uh, combination routes to to mess up the defense to Homer or maybe even to Marshawn if they get comfortable with that, this could be a, a game where they really move the ball. And I and like that's really exciting. That's yeah, really McLeod really good. and Jenkins could cause a few problems in the deep passing game. Uh, I genuinely worry about Joey Hunt holding up against Fletcher Cox. Fletcher Cox is the exact kind of player that just bench presses him off the field. Timmy Jernigan's pretty pretty uh pretty buff too. Same Although, with Timmy Jernigan, yeah. That's a hard interior combo for him to deal with. Yeah. But if we can if we can handle the pass rush, I'm not worried about Russ being able to pick them apart. And I'm not worried about our wide receivers being able to work against those defensive backs. They, they range between okay and bad. And their offense has to become a little more one-dimensional because they just don't have the personnel to work you with outside receivers like they used to. And so we should be able to get away with like one-on-one-ing. Uh, Man cannot live guys. on Greg Ward alone. <laughs> Greg Ward Jr. and J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. We can get away with just soloing those guys up and really focusing on taking away the middle of the field, taking away the run game, forcing Carson Wentz to try to beat us one-on-one against with those wide receivers is is a likely game plan that should be successful. Got to watch out for Carson Wentz's short passing game. No, you don't. That's the best part about well, it. Well, you do have to watch out if you're on the sideline because he'll airmail it 10 yards over someone's head and beat but, you. Last game, that he had a couple passes to Miles Sanders. Blitz is, where is was, likely to get one on the on the side of his head as Miles like, Sanders. On the watch out, Blitz. <laughs> it was hard. It, those, some of those short passes to Miles Sanders, I'm like shaking my head. It's They're so they're so all over the place. Yeah, and then on the hoof while getting tackled, he'll hit a 40-yarder down the sideline. And you're like, this is the same quarterback? Really? Yeah. It's This is a... What is this? <laughs> Yeah, that lose. I I think it's you're right, Kevin. Losing Brandon Brooks is huge. It was he was kind of like the only offensive lineman that had been there the whole year, and he'd been kind of a rock for them. And yeah, made it, the one only one that was both really good and really healthy. Yeah, like he everyone now everyone has either been hurt or good, and they have a lot of really good offensive linemen, but they're just all hurt. Everyone's hurt. I think they have what three original starters from the starting of the season: Wentz, Kelsey, and Siomala, and that's it. Everyone else is a new. Oh, Ertz. Although Ertz might not play, so then I would leave him with three, right? So if Ertz plays, that would be four starters from the beginning of the year. That's pretty. That's Seahawks esque <laughs> in their in their, uh, in their injury. Well, Ertz luck. is a tight end, but yeah, yeah. I mean, it's meant for their whole offense. Oh gosh, yeah, because their wide receivers are both gone. Their running back is gone. Uh, they they're missing all their offensive linemen except for the those guys. Uh, those uh, Kelsey and Seamala are definitely going to play, and then maybe. Uh, you get another guy coming back from injury, but well, that's the thing is if Ertz is out and it's just Goddard, they don't really have a third tight end who's a big pass catching threat. Like this is this is not ideal for them. This is a game that Seattle should be able to win. Are you are you daring to besmirch the the name 
of our favorite player, Josh Perkins or Richard Rogers. Do you know which one's their third? Um, I'm going I rest to, my case. I'm going to guess that it's Josh Perkins. Perkins and Rogers, two mostly, players named after Midwest Niners, my per- favorite. Perkins last week had like a touchdown and uh, went to UW, right? Didn't he go to UW, Josh uh, Perkins? Yes, he did. Yeah. So there, I, I'm taking the local boy as the, uh, the the potential guy. There you go. Look, he, last week he had four receptions for 50 yards and a touchdown. So maybe he's maybe he's good. Or maybe Zach Ertz is just hurt and they have no other options. He's definitely Correct. a big wide receiver brand of tight end. Do you, have, you, have you read the injury report for Zach Ertz, by the way? Uh, yeah, it's like ribs, something else, kidney. Ribs, back, kidney. That's bad. You don't want to have kidney on your injury report, man. That is like... Back, is, back in football is such a serious injury because it's a serious injury out of football. But then you threw kidney into it. If he gets ankle and mono, he has a bingo. Yeah, he has a lacerated kidney. As Bring well him to Sam Darnold. See what he rib. can do. Goddard and Perkins will take the larger roles in Ertz's absence. Good luck with that. And then Josh Howard's supposed to be back, but he's kind of on a pitch count, and also he's Josh Howard. Yeah, I uh, I don't trust that at all. Uh, <laughs> they got rid of Jay Ajayi, who was uh, played against us in the first game. Yeah, he was just picked up because they were even more injured then. At running back. We don't forget. Uh, Boston no. Scott kind of showed up and showed that he's a bit of a thing, but he also has a lot of ball security issues. And and he's also short. He's really small. He's five foot six. He's a, he's wee. But I mean, you know. How tall is Jordan done. Howard? He's six foot, really. I did not know that. All right. Are we ready for picks? Let's do it. Let's yeah. do it. All right. I'm going to pick the Seattle Seahawks to win by one point, 34 to 33. And you know how they're going to win, Eric? Automatic last second field goal. Here we Ooh. go. You love challenging. I love. Life. I also love Jason Myers, dude. He's automatic. He never misses. And what do you? What did you say before the podcast? You, also, since you don't I drive started, a manual. You drive an auto Myers. Yeah, and another thing. No wonder your car was in the shop and got eaten by a rat. <laughs> hey, one thing is is that Jason Jason Myers. Since I started the stupid forced meme, he has not really missed. He's missed like what one field goal? Well, you better keep forcing those extra points. No, that's it. I don't think, or maybe he missed one extra point. No field goals. So, yeah, he's been great. Let's just keep it going. Positive Decide energy. that side. Automatic, baby. Jason Myers. I have faith. I okay, believe so Jason, you're if you're listening, I believe in you. You're going high score. That's important for the playoffs. I, too, have a high score. Why not? High scoring NFC playoff game. We're going to go Seahawks. Seahawks 27. Philadelphia Eagles 17. Um. Um, we can't seem to win by more than 10, so I'm going to go with 31-24. That's, that's kind of where I was at. On my that's real smart as well. All right, here we go. So, But I definitely think we should be able to win by more than that. We'll just allow like another garbage time touchdown to Zach Ertz. Thank you to... Uh, all right, you want to support the CXNS podcast. There are many ways to do so, but the best way is to head over to patreon.com slash SeahawksNest. For as little as dollar twenty four a month, you can hear our uh, extra... Uh, picks podcast with including our playoff picks this week uh you also can go ahead and uh join our uh, group chat and get in the group chat during the game uh bother kevin with draft questions and then um yeah so thanks to our new patrons uh, ryan c michael b michael f joined us in the month of december thank you guys Uh, and then we got james tom lucas carrie richard bob kieran brett mike david flockness keith michelle brian 
uh, Frank and Nick, thanks for holding it down for us. Uh, you guys are awesome. And then thank you, a special thank you to Keith, who keeps reminding me that I should not be so negative about myself. <laughs> you're, you're, thank you for your support. I'm, I'll try my best. All right, you guys ready for, uh, for, a, mo- for a movie club? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, it was our best movies of 2019 uh, podcast. Now, of course, this is subject to change because me and Kevin often will catch up on all our awards movies as the uh, Oscars rolls closer, but I feel like I'm pretty close to where I'm at on this one. I'm going to go ahead and name a few of the movies that I know have a shot at the list, like have a shot at my top 10. Okay, and then... Uh, so. All right, Eric, start us off. What was your favorite movie of 2019 or favorite movies of 2019? I'm I'm trying to narrow this down because I don't want to... Well, what are your contenders and then if you had to pick Oh, no, one? that's the thing. Is I... Of, of 2019, I guess... Uh, I'm going to have to go Rise of Skywalker, Nate. I'm just kidding. I, I want to use... I want to <sighs> oh, he loves it. If uh, if you would have actually picked Rise of Skywalker, I think oh, I would have on. turned I mean, the podcast off. I'm, I'm I would have just wondered how many movies you saw. It's... That's that's actually what I'm where I'm at because I'm such a uh, I'm such a late bloomer with movies. I don't see a lot of movies in the theater. Um, I wanted to my my immediate thought was uh, Spider Verse because I saw it in January and I realized that was last year's movie. Um, I don't know if I have a favorite movie of this year that I can actually contend with everyone else. I think American Animals was a movie that, that really was 2018. Made me, also. That was, also was it 2018? Holy shit. Yeah. What I, happened to 2019 would you like, for you, Would Eric? you like us to give you I'd like you to go first. Like a, would you like a time machine, Eric, so you can go back to the beginning of 2019 and try? Right. Again? Nah, I don't really think I'm going to miss too much. Eric's Eric's favorite movie was uh, John Wick Chapter 3. Yeah, probably. that's one that he can remember. Yeah, you know, to be year. fair. And that was, was a decent movie. It was really good. Hey, that's in my top five. Uh, it's Why so, would you do that to me? <laughs> I feel like you're making fun of one of my picks. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, John Wick Chapter 3 is just outside of my top ten. Okay. But, I've also seen, I think I'm coming up on 60 movies for the year. Yeah, I'm only at like 25 or something. Yeah. Um, okay. My favorites of uh, this year. My, I'll, go, I'll go five, Kevin, because you seem like you really wanted me to give a top five. So yeah. I'm just going to do it. All top right. Fives are fun. Uh, let's do it. Number five, uh, I'll go John Wick Chapter 3. Uh, number four, I will go a Midsommar. Number three, I will go with Us. Uh, number two, I will go with... Uh, Parasite and my number one favorite movie of 2019 is Knives Out. <laughs> there you go. You do like there's the Knives a, Out. There's a top. There's a top five uh, for you. Um, movies that I think like just barely missed. And um, I haven't seen Jojo Rabbit, which I think would definitely crack in the top five. I think so too. But I just haven't seen it yet. And then um, movies that I liked that I have just gotten a chance to watch that I just missed. Farewell was good. Oh, it's a ton of time in Hollywood. Had good parts. Um, and other parts that I would uh, say were that was my boring. that was like the number one movie I wanted to see this year. Didn't see it. Um, uh, the Hobbs and Shaw was like not a great Fast and the Furious movie, but it was fun. Uh, Booksmart are was really funny, uh, and so was uh, Good Boys. Those are both like really solid uh, kind of teen comedies. Um, I'm trying to think what else I actually saw. Did you see Joker? Uh, no, I might. I might Joker's really. Fine. I think I'm really gonna like. Oh, Joker! I watched it. Yeah, that's fine. Um, it's a movie. <laughs> Really, you think? I mean, did you just not like it because you thought it was have really seen, unoriginal? Have you I seen Taxi Driver? Yeah, yeah, I know. I and I, I saw it before dri- any of you guys in here, and I said Taxi it's a dri- lot like Taxi Driver. Taxi Driver with the face paint instead of a mohawk. That's, that's, it's that's one of those like I could say that could be my favorite movie, but again, when I go see movies, it's usually to see like that action movie, that that nerd movie that's going to get spoiled for me. So I go and see it, and I 
I can say Joker's might be my favorite movie of the year or the best movie of the year, but I kind of feel it's a cop out saying that. I have a feeling I'm really going to like 1917 because it that's it, high on my list. It has I a, heard that's supposed to be filmed so it looks like it's one continuous, continuous shot, shot, which is like my that's like that's totally a thing that I love. Pretty cool. Um, I'm gonna like be looking the whole time I'm watching it too. I'm gonna be looking for mistakes to see if I can find like <laughs> because like I love stuff like that. Like, he really I, likes being petty while he's watching as an as a nerd. Like it, it lets me nerd out a little bit while I'm watching it though. Because also, to be honest, movies fun. The thing, and to be honest with you, if I could pick a um a TV show as my favorite 2019, I might do that. I might say Watchmen was my number one thing of 2019. Like yeah. that's how much I liked the show Watchmen. I thought it was really really good. But uh, yeah, that's that's where I'm at. All right, Kevin. Um, all right, so I have a number of movies that are in contention, um, but my top five, if I had to do it, so just missing out on my top five, uh, I really liked Us. Apollo 11, the documentary, was excellent. Uh, it's all stitched together with actual like newsreel footage and stuff from the Apollo 11 event, which is really cool. Uh, Midsommar, I agree, was very good. Uh, the Art of Self-Defense is kind of an oddball comedy. If you were someone who enjoyed, like, Sorry to Bother You or some of the other kind of weird comedies we recommended, um, The Art of Self-Defense is one you might enjoy. There's a Korean movie called Extreme Job that was a action comedy that was really fun. There's I read a review of The Art of Self-Defense that I thought was, like, so well-described, like, what was awesome about it that It is movie. a bizarro comedy about the toxi- about toxic masculinity that was just really enjoyable. I can't remember. Someone described it as like that's a Jesse combination of two movies, and I thought it was such like a great description of it. Um, Karate Manchild. That's a pretty funny that's uh, pretty alternative, alternative title for it. Uh, so my number five movie was Ford versus Ferrari. I thought that the way that they put together the race scenes was excellent, and I thought that Bale and Damon were both quite good. Um, my number four was Knives Out, and I will definitely sign up for as many more movies of Kentucky Fried Craig as you want to give me. Um... <laughs> The Farewell was my number three. Uh, I thought that Lulu Wang killed it with a really good script. Uh, it's one of those movies that does the family dynamic so well that you kind of forget their actors at, t- at times. It was a very charming movie. Also, it doesn't count as a foreign film, which is weird to me. Yeah. Even though it's like predominantly not in English. Uh, my number two is Jojo Rabbit. Uh, I laughed probably more at the theater for that movie than I have for almost any other movie watch experience. Um, in a long time. Uncut like, Gems. Uncut. It's just really funny. Here it comes. Kevin's going to pick Uncut Gems number one. Eric, if I had seen it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. My number one's Parasite. <laughs> I knew it. Love Parasite. I thought it might be Parasite just from the way Kevin's spoken about that movie and what I've heard about it. I thought it was an excellent movie. And so movies I haven't seen yet that could end up making it on my top ten list. Um, I still haven't seen The Irishman which I don't have the length issues that uh, Nathan does with movies. I watched The Irishman. I know you do, but I know, setting, also know that settings. that definitely knocked it down like a uh, full point by itself. Yeah, sure. I mean, if, if, it's like, dude, it, it just needs editing. Like, it's 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 a, like a, it, it's a three it's a and a series. It's a three and a half star movie that could have been a five star movie if they just like had any restraint at all. So get it together. I don't know. That's just, it's, yes, you're right. It is a, a bit of a personal bias. Uh, Marriage Story is a movie that I think I'd like, but I have to wait until I'm in the mood to watch it because I feel like entering it in the right frame of mind is going to be partially responsible for how much I like it. Okay. Since that's on a streaming service, I get to, I get a chance to put that on. Um, and I liked it, but I think I just don't like Noah Baumbach that much. Uh, he did the squid and the whale, right? <laughs> he did. That's a 
freaking weird movie. And he does. He just. Uh, and he did. Um, Meyerowitz stories and he did uh he's somebody where i'm not sure any of his movies could ever be more than a four out of five for me yeah you're i think you'll like it you'll respect it more than you'll like it that feels that's kind of like how i that's felt gonna at land. the end of it um 1917 is a movie that could easily jump into my top five that's that's has a lot of things that make it very promising um i still haven't seen once upon a time in hollywood but i'm not sure that's gonna make my top 10 it's on streaming services now um it's you can watch n- it not on streaming it's on uh you can buy you can, it, you but can it's purchase not. it. Right, right, right. You can, you can like, you, you know, get. Yeah, wink, no, that's wink. eventually going to happen. That's a, that's a thing that will happen. So, uh, yeah, those are some of the ones that still have a pretty decent chance. Uh, but I think any of the movies that were really mentioned out of this, Parasite, Jojo Rabbit, Knives Out, I think those are ones that we can all agree are really good. Um, Taika, Taika Waititi does things, and those things are always good. So now that you've had a little chance, Eric, do you have... Wait, wait. I have one more movie I want to mention that didn't get mentioned yet that I so, thought you would mention as like an honorable mention. Ready or not. Uh, the Samara Weaving. I have seen it. It's a horror uh, movie, right? That's just like... It seemed fun. That's fun. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good way to describe it. It's fun. It seemed like a movie that I would if enjoy you, having seen. If you give this movie less than three stars, you hate horror movies. And that's and fun. Um, it just has like... Um, it subverts your expectations a little bit and it's fun. And yeah, it's I like it. Uh, Kevin, he asked me if I had an, anything to add to my list. I found an out, which I'm going to take, and that is The Mandalorian as my favorite TV show of 2019. Right. It's everything that Star Wars is doing right. It's not groundbreakingly new ideas. It's a fair amount of fan service and a fair amount of ripping off a uh, a, 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 a kung fu movie. I guess a, I'd say just a... An, an old plus if you ever get it to 88 miles an hour you Japanese. can travel through time <laughs> asian uh, action movie that is just uh the baby card assassin the lone wolf and cub movies uh it's just kind of a takeoff on that very enjoyable uh looking back at the list though like i had this before we started i heard what you guys said i liked us but if i put us or joker up there as my favorite movies it'd be because i saw them and that's not fair to put them as favorite movies um Okay. So I'm taking my out with Mandalorian. Can, can we so talk about Mandalorian for a minute? That, uh, can we have a five-minute? Uh, really quick, uh, Eric's New Year's resolution for 2020 is to see more good movies. Can we... Uh, like films. So let's see more films. Can we talk about Mandalorian? Because I am I like it, but I don't love it. But you don't like procedural... I love Star Wars, but I hate TV shows where like you just have an episode oh, and... like see, I love Monster of the Week and movies. And it's just like, here, here it comes. Here's the thing that happens. And then it, we did not progress any of our uh, big story lines that, that we've good. been working on. Did you see the uh, final? It's like, oh. Oh my gosh! Did you see the final? Funny. It's funny. I have not watched the last two episodes. Oh, I don't, don't, don't at me then. Get out of here. What are you talking about? Like it's, it, 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 there are so many episodes that were just like, and then like, okay, you said why? the first episode was fine, which the first episode sets it up. So I feel like if you don't like that, you're you're kind of setting yourself up to not like the show, and that's fine. But if you're saying it's How not, how come in the beginning of the series he's more than willing to just like straight up murder like 15 people he's had no emotional growth or no like reason to but then in the night later episode he's like capturing people instead like just be a murderer man it's, who cares doesn't make any sense who he's capturing there's a reason for his capture and if you're talking about the space prison episode i think it's a very big good reason that he that, captured that guy and that episode then was what well, happened to him afterwards sorry kevin i kevin's I think, not gonna watch <laughs> Yeah, I think you're uh, for so long. He's going to forget this conversation. Come over tomorrow, Kevin. We'll we'll make a good uh, five hours out of it. I'm going to guess. I'm going to guess. Kevin gets Disney Plus in 2021. In January. Yeah. Well, that's a lot sooner than I would have expected. That's that's a 
couple days away. That's very likely to happen next month. We just uh, we unexpectedly had to purchase a car, which uh, he unexpectedly which had sucks a for finances had more or less Godzilla. Godzilla, to school ooh, Godzilla King of the Monsters, not good. Uh, I, I got that for we Christmas. We unexpectedly had a Karen who decided to take out four cars in my wife's parking lot. And it, uh, really, your, your really house has a parking finances. lot? Dang, Kevin. If you, uh, you're, you're not going to see these pictures, but I've seen the pictures. It is unbelievable. I'm talking to the audience. It is, it is literally just unbelievable. Uh, it's amazing what incompetence can do to a vehicle. And that that car then drove away. <laughs> they were obviously uh, driving a car from Mad Max. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe that makes my. Top I haven't ten, seen that. Maybe that makes my top ten videos of 2019. <laughs> also, is the security cam footage of some Karen plowing through four cars in my wife's work. Yeah, because Kevin likes comedies and tragedies. All right, uh, so that's it. That's it. Did you uh, did you have a favorite TV show, Kevin? Since we both mentioned one, or did you you, you don't generally just watch films instead of TV, correct? Yeah, it's really hard for me to like finish a TV show. Yeah. I'm. Digging through my brain trying to think of any TV show I significantly watched a piece of. Seahawks, Seahawks season 2019. Yeah, like PFF draft footage on very, YouTube. Very stressful season. Uh, a lot of suspense. Not as funny as Kevin was hoping it would be. All right, for Kevin, for Eric, we will see you guys next week. Go Hawks. Yeah, yeah, yeah.